I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The scripture today is John 18, 28 through nineteen sixteen. When the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor, by now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, the Jews did not enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, the Jews objected. This happened so that the words Jesus had spoken, indicating the kind of death he was going to die, would be fulfilled. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. It is your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this reason I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? Pilate asked. With that, he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. But it is your custom for me to release to you one of the prisoners at the time of Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in a rebellion. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and said, and again saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him in the face. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing a crown of thorns and a purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. But the Jews insisted, We have a law, and according to that law, he must die, because he claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid, and he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus, but Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? 
Pilate said. Don't you realize I have the power? I can free you or crucify you? Jesus answered, You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jews kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at the place known as the stone pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation of a Passover week about the sixth hour. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. Amen. Thank you, Jolyn. I invite you to leave your Bible open. We want to go through this passage uh, verse by verse. And so, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together be acceptable in your sight, our strength, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. So, I thought as Passion Week approaches, I'd preach uh, on this passage. And it all boils down to this. The only question that really matters in life is this. What will you do with Jesus? All four gospel writers record the trial of Jesus before Pilate, don't they? Today I want to confine our thinking to what John has to say because John seems to give us a more extended account. And so today I want us all to take our places as spectators at the trial of not Jesus, but Pilate. Because if you read the gospel writers correctly, they make it abundantly clear that Jesus was not on trial, but Pilate was on trial. That Jesus was not trying to escape, but Pilate was. Please look at John 18, 28. Keep your Bible open. We're going to go through this. It says, then the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas to the place of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, the the Jews did not enter the palace They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So, these were the religious rulers. And what they did was to meet that morning to make legal the illegal action of the night before. Because the Mosaic law said that no trial was to begin and end the same day. And no trial was to be conducted at nighttime. And so they met the next morning, having decided upon the death of Jesus. They had to get permission from the Roman authorities. And so they took him to the judgment hall, sometimes called Herod's Palace. That is evidently where Pilate came. Now there was a judgment hall in front and a judgment hall on the inside called the Praetorium. And the scene kind of alternates back and forth from the outside to the inside, from the outside to the inside, and it'll do that seven times. Old Pilate's on a hot seat, 
Back and forth from the outside before the mob to the inside before Jesus. He'll go back and forth in order to try to escape making a decision. So number one, first, if you're looking on the outline in the bulletin there, uh, first the outside, verse 29 of John 18. So Pilate came out to them and asked, what charges are you bringing against this man? I mean, the people couldn't come in. It's Passover season. They couldn't go into a hall of a Gentile or come near. And so Pilate comes out to them. And you hear him say, what charges are you bringing against this man? I mean, that's a legal phrase. I mean, what did he do? You've disturbed me. You know, having me come out to you. What's the charge against this man? Pilate is saying, why did you bring him to me in the first place? And then look at verse 30. If it were not a criminal, if he were not a criminal, they replied, we would have not have handed him over to you. So Pilate discovers that this charge is a little more serious than he thought, that these men vowed the death of Jesus and they would not leave until they got that sentence handed down. And then you come to verse 31, Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, the Jews objected. So Pilate is saying, I don't want this case. You know, handle it yourselves. But then they asked for the death penalty. And he knew it was more serious than he had ever dreamed it could be. And they were asking for the verdict of death. And they were not asking him to investigate anything. They've already done that. Notice Pilate, this Roman. He will have to make a decision. And he's going to do it. Because the Lord Jesus is still in charge, even though he is arrested. And it will be according to his word. I mean, listen to what John records in verse 32. This happened so that the words Jesus had spoken, indicating the kind of death he was going to die, would be fulfilled. He must die on a Roman cross. He had said it. David had said it. The prophets had said it. The Old Testament had said it. He's the Lamb of God. Slain from the foundation of the world, Pilate will have to decide. So now we go inside. You know, point number two on the outline. Verse 33. It says, Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? So Pilate confronts Jesus for the first time, and Jesus is standing before Pilate. You know, before Roman majesty, before Roman might, you know, Roman majesty and might are vested in Pilate, and Pilate has to decide what to do with Jesus. You know, what's the point in question? Let's be specific. This is to be a legal court. Is Jesus a king, or isn't he a king? Is he actually leading a rebellion against Caesar? I mean, that's the question, and it seems so ridiculous that this poor, helpless man standing before Pilate could possibly be a king, or interfere with Rome at all. So our translation doesn't quite give it the full impact of the Greek language. The emphasis is on the pronoun you. Are you? Are you the king of the Jews? You? I mean, you've got to be kidding. It can't be. All you have to do is deny it and we'll go back out there and tell them the case is over and I can go back to breakfast. It's not that easy. You don't dismiss Jesus like that. You are the king of the Jews? I think our Lord's answer to Pilate, I think, is one of the most 
majestic things he ever said. You look at verse 34. Jesus said, you know, is that your own idea, Jesus asked? Or did others talk to you about me? You know, our Lord is making this man face up to his responsibility. He says, you ask me if I'm a king, specifically if, if I'm the king of the Jews. Is this the result of your investigation? Is this the evidence that you have? Are you re- or are you just like a poly parrot pilot? You know, are you just repeating something that's been said to you? Now, that's enough to make a man think. I mean, is this something you've come to by your own thinking, or are you just kind of, you know, repeating something that you've heard? You know, it made Pilate angry. In verse 35, am I a Jew? Pilate replied. It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it you've done? Now, that's some question for a judge to ask. A judge should have the evidence brought in. You know, you don't ask the prisoner, did you really kill him or didn't you kill him? Did you really steal it or didn't you steal it? Are you really guilty or or are you not guilty? Of course, the man will say not guilty. You know, produce the goods here. Show me the fingerprints. Bring in the evidence. That's what you should ask. So Pilate's mad. Notice the response of Jesus and the emphasis on the personal pronoun, my You know, verse 36, Jesus said, my kingdom, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. I mean, that is an amazing answer. My kingdom is not built on this world's political system. I don't go before the public and am voted on. My kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is contrary to this world. My kingdom will not be established in the method that you think it will. I will not need Rome to help me. I will not need the religious rulers to help me. I will not need the United Nations to help me. I don't need or I don't intend to use the platform of the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. They will not establish my kingdom on earth. And it's time Christians down here learn that. Hang on, everybody. I'm not saying Christians should not be involved in politics. We are the salt of the earth. We have a voice too, don't we? We are supposed to be the light of the world. What I am saying is that Jesus Christ is coming back again. And he will set up his kingdom by his own mighty power. And he shall reign forever and ever and ever. And he'll come To power his way. He doesn't need man at all. My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight. But they don't need to fight. And there Jesus stands. You know, in peasant's clothes. Before the purple and the power of Rome. And we look back now with this perspective of some 2,000 years. And the Roman Empire is gone. But in spite of everything, the gospel of Jesus Christ continues to be preached with or without the blessing of governments. Look at the church in China. Growing in spite of persecution. Look at Iran. The church in Iran is growing faster than any place on earth right now. Notice verse 37, you are a king then, said Pilate. 
Jesus answered, you are right in saying I'm a, I'm a king. In fact, for this reason I was born. For this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Now this man Jesus says he's a king. He was born a king and he's gonna, he'll come to power in his way, his method. And he's come to bear witness to the truth. And then Pilate hears that and hears his reaction in verse 38. What is truth? What is truth, Pilate asked. What is truth? So appropriate in our world when we wonder who's speaking the truth. (laughs) And that's the first crisis of Pilate's life. When he asked that question, some say Pilate was just jesting, you know, when he asked the question. I don't think that man was ever more serious. (laughs) Uh, He may have asked it kind of cynically or in a sarcastic way, but I think he's serious when he says it. And Pilate was living himself in a world that was honeycombed with hypocrisy. You know, much like our world today, the political world, the social world, the religious world. And this man Pilate, as he looked over his world, could say, what is truth anyway? And we, we can become very cynical when we look at our world. And we've all seen or heard about the political liars and the social climbers and the religious phonies. But we've also seen the honest person, haven't we? We've seen the genuine Christian, you know, born again by the Spirit of God. And we've seen those who claim to be. And we look at our world and sometimes we want to say with Pilate, what is truth anyway? You know, you can become very cynical today when you look at our world, especially in the heat of the abortion battle. You know, when does a life begin? Is that baby inside mama a person or not? When you think of the Supreme Court legalizing across the board gay marriage, what is marriage anyway? What is the truth about marriage? What is the truth about gender? What is the truth about racism? We're all asking those kind of questions, aren't we? What is truth? Does truth change? Does it change? I mean, Jesus said, you know, I'm the way and the truth and the life. And in Hebrews it says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the Bible says about itself, you know, heaven and earth are going to pass away, but my word will stand forever. Somehow I sympathize with Pilate, though, but he's facing a crisis, and it's the crisis of his life, and he's already decided on a very clever way, really, of making the decision about Jesus. Point number three, notice uh, verse 38, back outside we go. It says, with this he went outside again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. He went out again, you know. He's on a hot seat, you guys. (laughs) He can't stay in one place very long. And when he said that, he's saying this, not guilty. This man is not guilty of the charges that you've brought against him. You say he's trying to overthrow Caesar. He's not. I find no fault in him whatsoever. Charges dismissed. 
And if he'd been an honest man and not a compromising politician, he would have let Jesus go at this moment. If you're not guilty, the court has no right to lay hands on you. But Pilate did something, and he did something rotten. Because he was not willing to make a decision. Verse 39. But it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? And the other gospel writers tell us he confined it to two. He took you know, the worst one that he had and he took the best one that he had. And he said, Barabbas or Jesus? And then verse 40, they shouted back, no, not him, give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in a rebellion. And then point number four, he, you know, he returns to the inside again. Uh, chapter 19, verse 1, then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. That's unbelievable. You know, he's not guilty and you scourge a man. He's not guilty and you flog a man. Verses 2 and 3, the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in, in a purple robe and went up to him again and again saying, Hail the king of the Jews. And they struck him in the face. Now when you put the four gospels together, and knowing Rome and knowing history, the soldiers were playing a game called hot hand. And each Roman soldier took his big bare knuckles and held him right in front of the face of the prisoner. And then they blindfold the man and somebody, you know, hits him. I mean, really hits him and knocks him out. And when they bring him to, they take the blindfold off and they all hold their fist in his face. And they say, who hit you? And the funny thing is, no prisoner was ever able to guess the right one. Because even if he did, the game kind of went on and on and on and on and on went the game. Until Jesus, Isaiah 53, says he didn't even look like a man. And when they brought him out before the people, he did not look like a man. They had beaten him to a pulp. I tell you, the pictures of Jesus are all much too kind. And so they crowned him with a thorn. And they put a purple robe on him in mockery because of the charge. You know, he's a king. And they were to look at him and see how ridiculous it is. And don't you see what Pilate was trying to do? He was trying not to put Jesus to death. He wants to satisfy the uproar of the mob. And he thinks if he you know, beats him up you know, and takes him out, somehow he'll get the sympathy of the mob and they'll say, now let him go. See, Pilate was moved by the mob and not by justice. He was not moved by truth. He was not moved by righteousness. But Pilate's not off the hook. Point number five, back outside. Look at verse four. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews, look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. Then why beat him up? Verse five, when Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, you know, here is the man, or the old King James Version, you know, behold the man. He had to look at him too. And in verse 6, as soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, crucify, crucify. So appealing to compassion, Pilate has now failed. It was the religious leaders that yelled, crucify him. It was religion that crucified Jesus. Religion damns people. It always has, it always will. You look at China, you look at India, 
You look at some of the false religions of this world. You see, Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. You either have him or you don't have him. John wrote in his first letter, this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. This life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Now, Pilate would like to get off the hook. Verses 6 and 7 of chapter 19. Pilate answered, Will you take him and crucify him? As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jews insisted, We have a law, and according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the Son of God. You know, they hadn't brought that up before. And then in verse 8, When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. And then point number 6, you know, Inside we go again. Verses 9 and 10, and he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus, but Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said, don't you realize I have the power either to free you or to crucify you? And now listen to what the Lord says in verses 11 and 12. Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jews kept shouting, if you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. They had to bow to Caesar to get the verdict of death. So here is humankind going to the lowest. Religion bowing to Caesar. And Caesar playing politics with a man's life. And that man is a son of God. And Pilate is going to compromise. So outside again we go for the last time. Point number seven, verses 13 to 15. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the stone pavement, which in Aramaic is called Gabbatha. And it was the day of preparation of Passover week, about the sixth hour. Here is your king. Pilate said to the Jews, but they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. Then Pilate did something, and John doesn't tell us about this. I mean, you have to go to Matthew, uh, chapter 27, verse 24, when Pilate finally saw that he couldn't get off the hook, that he's at a great crossroads. Either he has to do his duty and do the right thing, But he's never done that. Uh, He's always done things for his own interest, for that which would help him. I mean, he was a corrupt politician. And Philo, a writer of the Jews, a secular historian of the day, can find not one good thing, not one good thing to say about Pilate. Pilate was forced to decide. And he makes his decision. And so in Matthew 27, verse 24, he called for a basin of water and he washed his hands. I'll have nothing to do with him. What irony. I mean, didn't we just say, like the oldest creed in the church, which says, suffered or crucified under Pontius Pilate. And then verse 16, finally Pilate, handed him over 
to be crucified. He didn't escape. And neither can you. He had to make a decision. And so must you. He could not compromise. He had to be responsible for the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And the message of the trial of Pilate is this. The man who washes his hands down here has no place to hide. Why not investigate Jesus? We investigate everything else in life. I mean, if Pilate would not have been that conniving politician and faced up to it and answered the question, what is truth, he would have found the truth standing right there in front of him. Didn't Jesus say earlier in John chapter 14, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. You say, well, Dave, that's pretty dogmatic. That's pretty narrow-minded. Yeah, you know, my first grade teacher was real dogmatic too. She said, two plus two equals four. I mean, she just insisted on it. She was so dogmatic about it. Two plus two equals four. It doesn't equal three, and it doesn't equal five. It equals four. She was so narrow-minded about that. Well, friends, truth is always dogmatic. Whether you like it or not, You have to answer. We're all on a hot seat. It would be easy to say, well, I can just wash my hands, saying that I'll have nothing to do with Jesus. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. You know, in that day, Jesus stood before Pilate, but there is coming a day when Pilate is going to stand before Jesus, and so will you. You have to decide whether he's the truth or not. And when you decide that he's the truth... Then you can answer the question, what shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? Would you bow in prayer with me? God, we want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you for the gospel. This is the testimony, God. You have given us eternal life. This life is in your son. Whoever has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. If you've never made a decision for Christ, to accept Christ, to trust in Christ and what he's done on the cross and not your own good works, you need to do that. Don't wash your hands like Pilate. Don't put it off. Oh, I'm not against Jesus, Dave. Well, that sounds something like Pilate would say. The question we must ask is this. Have I made an intentional conscience decision to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my lover, my Savior, my King. And if you haven't, maybe uh, you could pray with me a prayer, something like this. You just come to the Lord in your heart, right where you are, and just say, Lord, you know, I've heard a lot about you. I've sat in this church for 100 years, but I know that you're not the King of my life. You're not the Lord of my life. I've never intentionally asked you to come in, and Lord, I want to say, first of all, that I am sorry, that I'm a sinner like everybody else, that I have fallen short of your glory. I'm like one of your sheep. All we like sheep have gone astray, and I have. I haven't loved you 
really, with all my heart, I haven't loved my neighbor. I've broken your law. I've done all those things, God. I admit that. But I want to say thank you for the gospel. Thank you, God, that you love the world so much that you gave us your one and only son. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the son of God, that you're the sinless savior, the lamb of God that died for my sins. Oh, thank you so much for paying the price of death that my sins deserved. And so I just say right now, please, come into my life. Let this be a start, you know, March 21st. Let this be, you know, not only the first day of spring, but the first day of my life with you. And so I give you my life, Lord. I receive you, and I thank you for the promise that you will make me your child. You will make me alive, even though I was dead in trespasses and sins. Thank you for your cross, Lord, that we can sing about right now in Jesus' name. Amen. And Father, as we leave here today, I pray that we would just uh, leave with a giant yes in our heart. Yes, be my Savior. Yes, be my Lord. Yes, I want to be obedient to your word. Yes, 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 in Jesus' name. Amen.